Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Long Distance Work Life, the podcast where we try to help people who we were work remotely or in hybrid team situations or generally just trying to keep the weasels at bay in the workplace. Uh, Welcome, welcome. We're here to help you thrive and survive. This is a Marissalous episode, or as they say in French, an episode sans Marissa, uh, which I did just for her benefit. But that doesn't mean it is without entertainment. We have uh, my friend Liz Scully with us. Liz is a coach, a full-time digital nomad. She is the brains behind Rethink Central. And I am going to introduce you to her now. Liz, hello from London. Hello. What a delight to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, you really need to raise the bar on delight. But that's okay. I I have a low threshold of delight. There is nothing wrong with that, my friend. That's true. Um, So here's the deal. You and I met in the jungles of Guatemala, which sounds like a far more interesting story than in fact it is. (laughs) It really does. (laughs) Uh, But since then, you are, uh, well, why don't you tell us what you do? What is Rethink Central? Give us the the wonder that is Liz in a sentence or two, and then we'll take it. Excellent. So I am a uh, mastermind evangelist and a business strategist. So I work with micro businesses and very small businesses, helping them grow. It is an absolute delight. I work with lots of entrepreneurs and really my focus of my business is fun without the pain, really. It's a delightful thing. Well, it sounds delightful. And so what I wanted to talk about today is as a digital nomad and as somebody who works remotely from wherever, uh, one of the big knocks on this, and, and it is true for some people to a fairly large degree, is the sense of social isolation that comes with. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, yes, it's lovely to be left alone to get your work done. <laughs> and the flip side of that is while you are working, you are alone. So I know that you have a system for doing that. I want to talk about Uh, being a digital nomad, and then hopefully a little bit about what is a mastermind group and who should care, but that'll be at the end of our conversation. So let's start with, you're a digital nomad. COVID grounded you uh, to a degree, but you were all over the place for a while. What is (laughs) your digital nomad existence? I really was all over the place, for sure. Um, So I gave up my last like real bricks and mortar home, um, hmm, something like 2011. And since then I haven't had a, a real home. I just move about, which is fabulous. And my last home was in Bangalore in India because I was working for DreamWorks there. And I have just spent a lot of time bouncing between New York and various places in Europe. I spent a lot of time in Budapest. I spent a chunk of time in Malta. I um, am very fond of spending time in Guatemala, um, which is weirdly, is one of my safe places. You know, I just think, oh, I just want to go home for a while, which as someone who doesn't have a home, for me, that is Antigua, maybe Budapest, maybe New York. Um, so it's great. It's lovely. Delightful, in fact. A word I keep using. Oh, okay, so 
right now, most of the people who are listening to this are, as I am, wage slaves, kind of working for somebody. And, and we like the idea of being able to work wherever we are, and we have that capability, but doing it is easier said than done. When you land somewhere, I mean, well, let's start with when you land somewhere, how much do you know about where you're landing? What does the process of becoming a nomad look like? So the actually being completely location independent um, and running a business that is location independent are two separate things, as you well know. So first of all, I moved my entire business online and then I became location independent. But arriving in a new place, I have done a reasonable amount of research. Um, particularly, I normally stay in Airbnbs. In fact, I spent, I spent it was a couple of years, maybe four or five years, where I spent so much time in Airbnbs, they started asking me to their annual conference. <laughs> I was like, why, why would I go? Like, what is the benefit to me? I can see the benefit to you lot, because you're, you're gonna have a, a, like an actual customer in the building, but really, why would I be there? So I have researched exactly where to live, that by which I want to know how far is the local supermarket? Can I get decent Wi-Fi? How do I, and the biggest research I do on obviously because when I because I can live anywhere, I need to check that I want to live there. So I've looked at cultural stuff and you know what, what what's going on with museums and transport and all of those kind of things that we all do when we pick somewhere we want to spend time. The biggest thing as a nomad that I spend my time doing is getting people to run. Uh, speed tests on their Wi-Fi and send me the results because I will live nowhere with slow internet. It is of no use because if you spend if you spend any time running video conferences, which is my entire life, you cannot do it with slow internet, and you can't trust someone to go. Oh yeah, yeah, no, it's fast. No, no, sh <laughs> show me, show me the speed results. So before I choose to work to live anywhere. First of all, I check I want to be of interest. And then I check that the work conditions are fine. Now, you can also do this if you want to check there's co-working. That is everywhere. But my job is speaking to people. So can you imagine sitting next to me on a co-working session? They would hate me. That woman, she never said, never shuts up. So fast internet. That's the big thing. Can I get really fast internet? So you've determined that this is a place, right? You like the city or you think you're intrigued by the city enough to want to spend some time there. And you've done your research and you've found uh, a place that fits your, uh, your criteria and you arrive. Now, how do you make yourself to home? And by the way, you're keeping your business going or keeping your boss from firing you because you're not working and things. True. So, um, the, the big the big learning and gosh this took me a long time to get together is that when you change countries you need to spend take off at least three days there's the day before you leave when you're closing down that particular country there's the travel day and then there's the day afterwards when you arrive at which point you need to buy a sim for your phone you need to make sure that your internet works you need to go and actually locate that supermarket we talked about make sure that things work because there's always something that's missing yes you have a bed but you have no sheets or you have and this 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 is a nightmare for an irish person you have an apartment and you have tea bags but you have no kettle now that has to be dealt with immediately for obvious reasons so those three days 
um, you just need to accept that you are going to be doing things that are not work related at that point. So either do it on a weekend or make sure that you've scheduled time off to, to deal with that. And I, I mean, I have done long contracts where as well as running my own business, I'm working with other people. So they expect core times. And those, those again, like any long term job, they're going to give you time off. Surely, if they're not, change your job. I, like at some point, people are going to allow you to have time off. And some of that is going to be spent in that reassessment of where you live, because there's always just a certain amount of life maintenance when you switch countries. Life maintenance. What are the big, I mean, obviously not having a tea kettle would be <laughs> exactly. That's a horrible thing and a very unpleasant surprise. What are the big life maintenance things that people don't think they're going to encounter and do? So, like, really strangely, like, when you move all the time, there is a certain set of food that you, like, we all do it, right? We have our regular supermarket shop. So if you have just done that in, say, Budapest, and you were moving to Malta, you have to eat up the food in one country before you start buying it fresh in the, in the second country. So you need to make a decision about whether or not you are going to be the sort of person that moves half a pound of rice from Budapest to Malta because you are too cheap to let it go. Or are you the sort of person that's just going to be forcing your neighbors to take your excess food? So and it, it's, it sounds ridiculous, but if you move all the time, you spend a lot of time thinking, didn't we have some strawberry jam? Oh no, that was three countries back. Where is the jam? Do we have jam? So there's just like a certain, there is a certain level of food that if you live in one place, you can assume that there is like a few things that are staples. If you move into a brand new house every three, three months, you have to put all of those staples in place. And you can end up in the ridiculous position of ferrying tea bags around the world. It's ridiculous, it's foolish. <laughs> Are you a, once you've found your spot, you nest in and it's fine? Or are you a third location kind of worker? Oh, I tend to work at home because, um, like I said, because my job is talking to people, I feel it's unfair to co-working. <laughs> like We've all seen people in coffee shops having video meetings. Don't do it, people. It's so rude. Like, like go somewhere quiet and do that. The rest of us do not want to hear about the trouble you're having with the accounts department. Oh, keep it moving. So I work from home which means I need to be um, you know, safe and warm and all those kind of basic stuff and food and tea bags, obviously. Tea bags. One of the things, and I never thought about this until my daughter went to her massage therapist the other day and her massage therapist said, you work on the couch, don't you? You have a lap desk. You don't have a real desk and a real chair, do you? And the reason is she's coming in looking like Quasimodo. Um, what about the physical setup? That is interesting. So when I'm choosing the Airbnb I will live in, um, I am actually scanning for there is a coffee. Uh, there is a coffee table I can put my feet on so that my legs are horizontal and there is cushions so that I can keep my desk at the right level. Um, I also always have... Um, I have one of those extendable things for my laptop so that when I am doing video conferences like this, my camera is at eye level. Um, simple things like that. I have a little kit of things that I am certain of. I also have the world's 
largest and most edited set of cables for all possible situations. I have more travel plugs than any human ever requires because you can guarantee that when you look at how the the wiring in the places where the, you know, the, the distance from the plug to the desk you want to work on. So again, part of that first life maintenance that you're doing that first day is making sure that you're not going to be hunched up um, and that you can actually manage to run a video conference without running out of battery on your laptop halfway through. Tedious, but important. Now, I, I am like a three-day hermit. I can live in wherever I am, whatever confined space for about three days. And then I need to get out amongst <laughs> other human beings, uh, grumpy old man that I am. Um, I know that one of the things you do is you help coach people who are going to be location independent to actually have lives yes. and connect with people. Talk to me. How, what does that process look like? And can you help me? <laughs> Well, I think I think it's very easy to become a techno hermit. You're absolutely right. So um, I have like a system is probably a strong word for it, but I have friends all over the world and that is not an accident. Many people that become location independent rather than digital nomading, which tends to be much more gadding about and much more sort of social, but location independent people tend to be a bit, eh, they, maybe, they maybe have jobs like mine where you spend more time alone. So you have to have you have to have a system to get out there. So before I move to a country, amongst the research I do is I ask my friends, of which there are many, who do we know in whatever it is? Who do we know in Malta? And there will always be a couple of people that, oh, you could go and speak to so-and-so. So you make arrangements with them. You look at all the other networks you have, Facebook, LinkedIn, friends of friends, if it's a, the sort of place um, where there's big conglomerates. So I, I often worked for Kodak or Technicolor or Sony or any of those studios if they have a uh, branch or a department in that place. So I will speak to my other friends in, you know, you, you work for Technicolor, who do we know at Kodak in that country? So you then get a little group of people who are your first contact. And if your friends are kind enough to directly introduce you, they will almost always go for coffee with you because, you know, I've got this friend, she's really lovely, come go out for a drink. So you have some kind of interaction and you have to put the effort. This is the key. You have to put the effort in. So for a couple of weeks, I spend a lot of time ingesting caffeine. I see a lot of people and I put a lot of effort in because for them, for the person you're meeting, it's just a tiny part of their day. For you, you have no social life. If you don't do this, it's not going to happen. So there's a sort of certain time inequality to this. But many people will take the time to meet you for half an hour. Lovely. If you get on with them, great. Try arrange to meet them again. But if you don't, or you know they're they're fine, but they're not really for you, then I make another plan. Like so, uh, this was lovely. Thank you very much. But do you have another friend that might be? Uh, interested in also meeting me. I'd like to meet as many people as possible. And if you do that through all of your networks, that very quickly, everybody you meet, you ask if they can introduce you to someone else and you make the effort to see them. And anyone you like, you keep making the effort. Within three months, I guarantee you'll have a best friend in that country. Pretty much always. This is why I have lots of friends. Here's a question that just occurred to me. So is Meetup an international thing or is that strictly no, meetups everywhere so um yes absolutely that was the, that was the, that was the, that, that's 
the next thing I was going to say. It is always a good idea to check meetup if you have a like a special interest. If you're uh, involved in a karate club or a tennis club, see if through that network if they have a recommendation for the karate people to speak to in that area, and then join that. And even if you don't, simply being part of a club or a snooker team or and of course you can just go to the bar on the end of the road it's just I don't particularly drink so for me that's not ideal um so you start going somewhere regularly and you make the effort to be pleasant and you accept see there right there yeah you're out I see that (laughs) but that that principle is making friends is work and I think this is where as we get older we forget this stuff we can't be bothered But if you go somewhere new and you're on your own, if you don't make friends, you will stay on your own. Nothing is going to change. So meet up, bars, events, hiking clubs, anything. Just you put a lot of work in and then it's all there. I I promise it works. So good heavens, look at the time. Um, (laughs) I do want to take a moment, though, and talk about everything we've talked about. It's like settling in and getting the work done, being productive networking for your career and that's where things like mastermind comes in real quickly when i think of mastermind i think of entrepreneurs who are trying to grow their business first of all what is a mastermind group for those who don't know and then uh, are they applicable to wage slaves like me or is it strictly for entrepreneurs Absolutely. So a mastermind is a small-ish group. Certainly the ones I run are very small, but they can be larger. So they're a smallish group that meet regularly every week, every two weeks, once a month, whatever it is. You meet regularly, you discuss things, and then you make a plan, a goal of some sort that you will definitely achieve by the next time you meet. So by the by light social pressure, you get stuff done. They're super simple in them in, in themselves really simple but really effective and yes most of the ones i run are for entrepreneurs and business growth but you can have a mastermind for anything um one of the the calls i did earlier in the day was someone was telling me they used to run internal masterminds within a large corporation for the heads of department so that all the issues that were coming up regularly within the company they had a place they could talk about it that wasn't super official there was a bit more focused on people's careers. But yes, you can run a mastermind on anything you like, building a barn, growing a baby, whatever you like. I, what I what I think is really important for a lot of people, there are, there are two things about masterminds that I think are great ideas. I mean, the first is just other human beings that are facing the similar challenges that you are. There's a lot of power in knowing it's not just you. <laughs> so true. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, wait a minute, everybody suffers from this. Cool. Uh, the second part, I think, is the part that you alluded to, which is the accountability piece. Yes. Yes. Accountability is important. But I think there's not only the fact that you've got um, a group of people that are in lockstep with you moving towards the goals. That's really helpful, particularly if you run a tiny business. It's really lonely sometimes, as it is with location independent stuff. So it, it's really nice to have a group of people with you. But it's also, there are very few places that we can ideate. Most of us, our family is sick to death of what we do. Like, yeah, yeah, that's nice. Yeah, lovely, dear. Friends don't really care. They obviously they care you're successful, but they don't want to hear the ins and outs. With a mastermind group, you can have a place where you can ask 
the questions that are vital to your business that the people around you are bored witless about. But you can also ask questions that are just, you know, sometimes we have very basic questions that are a little bit embarrassing to ask anywhere else. Take it to your mastermind. They will sort it out for you. Well, it's not just that the people around you aren't fascinated by oh, what's okay. keeping you up at night. It's that they don't know squat. Yes, they don't know right. anything. They don't have the information. My bride is lovely, but if I show her the first draft of a book, all I'm going to get is, that's great, dear. Yes, yes, exactly. Yes, that's nice. I remember showing sales pages to people. Should it be that color? Oh, just keep moving, my lovely friend. That's, yes. So it's a good place to get feedback. And it's also a great place for when we have, because as we know, running a business, doing our job, will bring up every thing that could possibly go wrong. It's like years of psychotherapy in one go, just for the joy of doing your day to day. And a mastermind is a place to have people say, you know what, this is tough. And we can see that you're you're brave enough to turn up again for another day. That's a big thing. Liz, thank you so much. Well, you've given us a lot to think about. I mean, if I'm thinking about being location independent, what do I have to do? And I, it's great. I mean, I dream of running off to Thailand on a fairly regular basis. Really? Do it. Yeah, well, my wife would have something to say about that. I, I would have take your wife with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but the idea of meeting other people and creating a network and a life and all of that. So thank you for all of that wisdom. I am going to boot you out of the video room just long enough to close it off. Uh, Liz is at Rethink Central, folks. If you go to our fabulous webpage that Marissa has put all the work into, longdistanceworklife.com, you will find the transcripts and li links to how to reach Liz and all of that good stuff. Also, if you have not yet checked out Kevin and my new book, The Long Distance Team, Designing Your Team for Everyone's Success, uh, you can buy that almost anywhere. If you go to longdistanceteambook.com, you can buy the book, but you can also get special offers, free downloads, lots of cool stuff. Uh, we are nothing if not givers. Uh, finally, if you enjoy the show, you know how podcasts work. Like and subscribe, tell your friends, tell your neighbors. And if you have anything you want to say to us, comments, questions, vicious personal attacks, uh, topics for future shows, people that we should talk to, uh, one of Marissa's great joys right now is gathering up people's pet peeves and questions so that we can do those special episodes. That's it. Thank you so much. Uh, my name is Wayne Tremel. Thank you for joining us on the Long Distance Work Life. Marissa will be back next week. Don't let the weasels get you down. Have a great day.